Podcast editing is one of the most tedious and hated parts of podcasting. So here are 13 tips for faster podcast editing. Welcome to The Audacity to Podcast, episode 243. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I think the two biggest things that bother people about podcasting, and it's the two biggest tasks that are overwhelm people and that people dread in podcasting, and you could probably say this with me. Number one, writing show notes. Number two, editing. I know there are other frustrations in the podcasting space, but those seem to be the top two things that everyone dreads. And many people do those things after they've recorded their podcast episodes. The best way, I think, is really to do those things before you record your podcast episode. Yes, even your editing, you can do something that helps your editing before you record your episode. And I'll get more into that with these 13 tips that I have for faster podcast editing. And in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast, I'll be talking about tips for faster show notes writing. So I think you'll really love these two episodes that I have planned for the Audacity to Podcast, really help you improve your podcasting workflow. And I'll be digging into this in a lot more detail with my exclusive community for podcasters over at podcasterssociety.com. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming, a lot of video tutorials in the works, and more awesomeness coming to that community. So you can check it out and sign up to join the waiting list over at podcasterssociety.com. That will be opening up again very soon for registration. If you want to follow along in the show notes for this episode number 243, it's at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster editing. Here are then 13 tips for faster podcast editing. Number one, plan more. Number two, improve your presentation. Number three, change your approach. Number four, create templates. Number five, use the right tools. Number six, learn how to use your tools effectively. Number seven, upgrade to better tools. Number eight, mark edit points. Number nine, Give margin for easy editing. Number 10, watch the transitions. Number 11, use and customize keyboard shortcuts. Number 12, play at faster speeds. And number 13, truncate silence. Let's dig into this into some more detail, starting with number one, plan more. Failure to plan is a plan to fail. There have been several men throughout history who have been attributed to saying things similar to this, including Benjamin Franklin and Winston Churchill. But the truth is that having an effective plan for your podcast episodes does significantly reduce the need for editing. You need to know where you want to go with your conversation. If you're having an interview, what are the questions you want to ask or what are the topics you want to cover or how are you going to transition from that one question to the next question? Knowing that, planning that out can mean less editing afterward. Having a good plan as far as who leads a certain segment or transition 
helps reduce your editing afterward. Or knowing your information so well that you have everything you need right in front of you and you're ready to communicate it and communicate it clearly means that you have less editing to do afterward. So that's why this is tip number one, plan more. I know there are certain types of content that you can't completely plan for or that need to be spontaneous, like comedy especially. If you have a comedy podcast with a co-host, it's very important that certain things are still a surprise to your co-host. That's fine, but you can still plan. The planning may be who tells what story when or who takes over at what point or simply planning yourself how you're going to tell your story. I've actually experimented with this a little bit more in my Clean Comedy podcast that I have scripted a couple of the stories that I've told. I didn't read the script, but I did write a script for that story because it helped me plan better how I wanted to tell the story to ensure that I hit those important punchlines and the funny illustrations or the exaggerations at the right moments and such. And I've noticed that that really helped me to share the funny story in a better way because of that planning. So not only did the presentation improve, but it also meant less editing because I was following a plan. You don't have to follow your plan strictly. So you don't have to feel like if you deviate from your plan, like if you have seven questions that you're going to ask your interviewee and you only get to five of them, you don't have to force the conversation into following your plan. Flow with it, but still have a plan of where you want to go and how you want this episode to progress. That's number one, plan more. Number two, improve your presentation. Most of the things podcasters want to edit out are mistakes, and it's certainly a valid point that it's our imperfections that make us human, and I'll give more about that in the next tip, but if you can get better at communicating clearly and presenting your information well, then you won't have as much that you might need to edit. For example, instead of trying to edit out every imperfection, Work to reduce your reliance on certain things like verbal crutches. Don't look for every um, uh, or pause or something like that to edit out, but get better at editing those out of how you speak, and then you won't have to edit them out inside of your presentation. And it's okay if a verbal crutch makes its way in every now and then, or if there's a pause every now and then, or those kinds of things. It's okay. It may feel a little bit awkward, or you may feel like, I want to remove that and remove every single um and uh. Don't stress about it. Those little verbal crutches do also make us sound more human. And if we're not using them a lot, then an occasional one is okay. I do still occasionally say um or uh. I've worked very hard to reduce how much I say um or uh, but I do occasionally still slip. When it slips out of my mouth, I do notice it, but do I worry about it? Not really, because it's such a small part of the communication and the presentation that I'm sharing with you. If I were to go in and try and edit that out, I would I would be killing myself and killing the podcast trying to make it that perfect. It's okay, but try to improve your presentation skills first. This doesn't mean you have to be a public speaker, although learning public speaking skills can significantly help you 
in your podcast communication, as well as any other form of communication, helping you to become more confident, helping you to communicate more clearly. So presentation skills go far beyond the words that you use. They're also about how you communicate and share information. Generally, confident communication requires less editing than if you are uncertain when you're communicating. You know, I'm, I think the way that you would do this might be that you, you, you'd go to step two and, and no, no, sorry. It's, it's actually step one. And you see what I'm doing there. I'm trying to make myself not sound confident. And because of that, you can hear and probably relate to the kind of stumbling over the content that you might run into if you're not confident about the information or if you're letting the uncertainty communicate itself as well. Sometimes also being passionate about something helps cover up your mistakes and people get less distracted by it. Like if I'm going to tell you, man, I am so frustrated at how many podcasters do this thing that uh, the, the thing that really annoys me and it really bugs me that they do this thing that's really hurting their their podcasts and I don't think they can succeed if they're not doing this thing properly or if they're using this stupid thing. Now I made a few verbal mistakes in there. One of them was intentional. The other one was actually unintentional. But the passion that I had was covering that up, and the little mistake was part of the passion that was coming out. If I try to edit that out, then it won't sound as authentic. So this is number two, improve your presentation, because a great presentation requires much less editing. Number three, change your approach. Planning and presenting well will reduce the number of mistakes that you need to correct or feel you need to correct in your podcast. But you may need to change your overall approach to your podcast editing. Many podcasters are hurting themselves and hurting their podcast by trying to obtain perfection in their recordings. This is what I did for the first two years of my clean comedy podcast. The first podcast I launched, which was in 2007, two years later in 2009, I had only nine episodes released. I was trying to obtain perfection in my recordings, and that was preventing me from releasing very many episodes. Nine episodes in two years. That was pathetic. That's a pod fade in progress, basically. So I decided to take it seriously, change my approach to the editing, as well as my approach to the presentation, so that it would enable me to release episodes on a more consistent basis. So don't try to edit out every single verbal crutch or fix every mistake and try to remove every single piece of dead air from your podcast, not only could these be maybe unnecessary, but they could also kill your enthusiasm for podcasting. Instead, change the approach you take to your editing. Don't look for things to edit, but consider editing only the things you know need to be edited, those distracting things. Or even better than that, Challenge yourself to become so great at presenting that you can record episodes with absolutely no expectation or intention of editing those episodes. Yes, it can be challenging, but boy, it can be rewarding to know, I'm glad, I'm satisfied with that episode. I feel I presented everything clearly. I don't feel like I need to go back and edit anything. It's a wonderful feeling. So much freedom comes from that 
that I'd love for you to experience that exact same freedom yourself. So consider changing your approach to this editing. Now, these first three steps, number one, plan more, number two, improve your presentation, and number three, change your approach, are certainly podcast time savers, even though they may not seem like it. They are a bit more conceptual, but they're those small investments that you make that can really reap big returns later on and save you from a lot of stress later on in your podcast editing. And these things apply regardless of whether you're doing audio podcasts or video podcasts or streaming live or editing with Audacity or Adobe Audition or GarageBand or anything like that. This stuff helps you in your regular communication. And if you get opportunities to speak publicly or you're networking face-to-face, these three techniques can also help you improve your communication in those contexts as well. So then moving along, number four, two practical tips now that you can apply with your software tools or your equipment that you're using for your podcasting, whether you're doing audio or video podcasting. Number four, create templates. Whatever tool you use, you probably have the ability to either make project templates or make template projects. These would be your starting point for individual episodes. The difference between these would be, for example, professional software such as Adobe Audition allows you to make an actual project template. This is a template that is selectable when you go to create a new project. So in Adobe Audition, you can say create new project and create it using this particular template. That's great. You can update that template later on so that any projects you create after that point also would use your updated template, but it doesn't apply retroactively. Most likely, it doesn't apply retroactively. But if you can't do that with your software, then you could take the other approach, and that is to make a template project instead of a project template. A template project would be where you create an episode in your editing software, and it has everything in that episode that you need except for your actual content of that episode. Save that somewhere easily accessible and name it something that probably would include the word template in it, maybe even all caps template to really make it stand out in all of your other projects and other apps and tools that you might have. Then when you go to create your new individual episodes, open that template project. The first step you need to make is to save as. Saving as is the same as saving, except that instead of saving over the same file, it's saving as a new file. So when you open that template project, your first step is save as, and then you name it whatever that episode project is supposed to be called. And then you continue on with creating and editing your new episode project. So what would you want to put in your template is totally up to you. But here are some suggestions. It could be bumpers like your intro, your outro, your segues on their own soundtrack, a track in your multi-track software. Maybe the fades are already configured or configured enough that you just simply have to tweak them afterward or simply shift things around. Like, yes, you may have a 10-minute episode, but your outro is 30 minutes in your project template. Well, simply shift it to where you need it to be. So you could have your bumpers. You could also have your track effects. Some editing tools allow you to apply certain special effects and processing to a particular track so that anything in that track, any audio clips or audio sources that you record into that track 
will automatically receive whatever effect and processing you applied to that track. This is one of the big reasons I switched from Audacity to Adobe Audition, because in an Audition, I can set a particular track to have a certain effect, like a compressor or a limiter or anything else like that, so that any audio I place in that track is processed in real time with that effect. This saves a lot of time from my having to reprocess the audio each time because it's already there. And in fact, it's processed when I create the MP3 file. You might also have certain timings that you save into your template. And those timings could be relative to a particular segue or bumper. For example, your intro music. Do you come in at exactly 27 seconds or 15 seconds or something like that? Maybe you can place a marker there or something else that indicates this is where the beginning of your audio should be, or maybe it's your outro or some kind of segue music or anything like that. You know that your audio, your voice needs to stop at this point and then the bumper takes over. This and several other things are ideas of stuff you could put in your template projects so that they are there and available for you. These can sometimes work in project templates or in template projects. Play with your software and discover the right way to do that with what you use. And this, like I mentioned, is one of the big reasons I switched to Adobe Audition because it helped me save time in my editing. So that's number four, create templates. Number five, use the right tools. Sure, you can drive in a nail with a spoon, probably, but a hammer does the job much better. And using the wrong tool for whatever kind of editing job you're doing with your podcast could be making more work for yourself. Not simply using the tool poorly, but using the wrong tool. For example, I've seen people try to make videos with PowerPoint. Can you make a video with PowerPoint? Yes, you can. It's very difficult though. Can you make an audio podcast with video editing software? Sure, but it might not be the right tool. And in fact, there might be certain things that are slowing you down because the tool is designed for editing video instead of editing audio. So this is number five, use the right tools because the wrong tool may make it very difficult or downright impossible for what you actually need with your podcast editing. Number six, learn how to use your tools effectively. All podcasting software and equipment does come with some kind of learning curve. And each tool, especially software, probably has something in it that makes your podcast editing easier and faster but you may not know what that thing is. You really need to learn how to use each tool that you use. I'd been using Audacity for years before I discovered certain things like the label track. Or in Adobe Audition, I never thought about playing with more advanced noise reduction features until I really wanted to spend a lot more time trying to figure out how to use noise reduction appropriately and effectively and and in a more advanced way. And if you learn how to use the tools that you already have, then you may also discover you don't need to upgrade because the tool you have does the job really well. I see people on Twitter and in different podcasting groups often say things like, what's a better podcast editing software other than Audacity? I really want to get something better than Audacity. I can recommend better things, sure. And I'll be having a conversation soon with some creators of different software programs about how their tool can help podcasters. 
But is a better tool really what you need? Or is it maybe you need to learn how to use the tool you already have in a better way? And many times I find that people who are saying, I want to upgrade from Audacity to something else, are wanting that for the wrong reason. And it's often because they don't know what all Audacity can do. There are still things I don't know about Audacity, even though I've spent a lot of time digging into it, reading the manual, experimenting with things. There's still plenty that I don't know. And the same with Audition or Premiere Pro or any of the other apps that I use. And I'm constantly trying to learn how to use the tools I already have in a more effective way so that I spend less time hacking things together and more time creating the content that actually matters. So that's number six. Learn how to use your tools effectively. Number seven, upgrade to better tools. Free tools do cost. And they usually cost in the time it takes to use that tool to do what you need or the knowledge required to use them. I did a whole episode about why I was switching from Audacity to Adobe Audition, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster editing. But my primary reason for switching was because Adobe Audition improved my workflow. Audacity is free. Sure, GarageBand is free for most Mac users. But better software could mean better workflow, which could mean less time spent trying to fix things or edit my podcast. Other free tools may be limited in features or functions or how much you can use it. For example, Aphonic is a great tool and there's a free online version of Aphonic, but it's limited in how much audio time it will process per month. And speaking of Aphonic, I once spent about an hour in Adobe Audition trying to use the advanced noise reduction tool in it in order to reduce or remove some noise in some recordings. And I was doing advanced things like trying to figure out the specific frequencies and look at what frequencies the voice was in, what frequencies the noise was in, and experimenting with different levels and thresholds and all of this kind of stuff. And I got some pretty good results after an hour of working on it and discovering what might work so that the next time I might try that method, it might take me maybe 15 minutes to remove the noise with Adobe Audition's advanced noise removal tool. But then I wanted to experiment with something. So I went back to the original audio before I processed it with Adobe Audition and I ran it through Aphonic, the desktop leveler version of Aphonic. And I got even better results from that than I did with my hour that I spent with Adobe Audition's advanced noise removal tool. And the results with Aphonic took me a fraction, a tiny, tiny fraction of the time. It was simply drag it into Aphonic, make sure the noise and hum removal or reduction tool was selected and process it. That's how much time it took me. And speaking of Aphonic, if you already have Aphonic, the web version, maybe you should consider upgrading to the desktop leveler program where you pay once and you get to keep the program and use it. There are certain terms on commercial use and such for that app. So make sure that you abide by that. But I think most podcasters would be fine with the less expensive version. But not only is there the Aphonic desktop leveler, but there's Aphonic multitrack, which does all of the regular desktop leveler functions and then some more stuff. But also the beauty of Aphonic multitrack is that it compares across your synchronized tracks for some, I would call it beautiful cross-track processing. 
For example, a phonic leveler will go through an audio sample and look for when is someone talking and try and raise that and compress and limit and do all of this nice stuff to it. And if you have a double ender conversation or maybe split track recordings and there's any kind of crosstalk or crossover audio, a phonic desktop leveler may increase that crossover audio so that when you put it back with your own audio, you either have a weird echo noise or you get some weird sound effects coming as a result of that. But a phonic multitrack will look at all of the tracks and we'll see that this track is clearly the one that should have the audio. So if there's any crossover from the audio in this track to these other tracks, mute the other tracks at that time or decrease their volume levels and work on this main audio track. It's really great in how it processes that and does some other amazing magic. And a phonic multitrack is a separate software from a phonic regular desktop leveler. But I think it is really worth it. And I did pay for a phonic and a phonic multi-track. And I got the commercial versions too, because I knew that what I do in podcasting, I should buy the commercial versions because of the, the money that I make as a direct result of my podcast and all of these other things. I just knew for me and how many users also that I needed since I run a podcast network, I needed the commercial version. That's what I bought And I did pay for it with my own money. I did happen to get it on a sale, Black Friday sale, New Year's Eve sale, theaudacitypodcast.com slash deals if you want to be notified of any great podcasting deals that come up. And I am really glad that I did buy that software because it has made a lot of things easier for me. I've done a whole episode about when you should consider upgrading your podcasting tools, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. But the best time in general to upgrade your tools is when it makes something easier for you. And that is tip number seven, upgrade to better tools. Number eight, mark edit points. To support changing your approach to editing, where you're no longer looking for what you should edit, but you're editing what you know needs to be removed and editing out only the distracting things, a great way to help you with this is to mark those points that you know have something that needs to be edited or removed in some way. This could be where anything bad happened in your recording that you may think is distracting enough that it should be removed. Like maybe it's some crosstalk, an interruption, a horrible mistake in your production or what you're saying or anything like that. These are points that you know this was distracting enough that I know I want to edit that out later. That's the kind of point that you should mark. Many recording apps and devices do allow you to place a marker directly in the recording, but definitely test this before you rely on it. For example, the Zoom portable recorders do allow you to place a marker, but Audacity doesn't see those markers. And also, a phonic or certain other tools may, if they process your audio, may also remove those markers. So make sure you test your workflow before you rely on any of those software or hardware-placed markers. But a marker could be in your recording software. It could be a label track in Audacity or something else. But another way that you could do this, regardless of the tools that you're using, is keep a small note handy to quickly write down the timestamps of where you need to edit. That could be a note in your 
podcast notes. That could be a note on a piece of paper. That could be in Evernote. It doesn't really matter where you're writing that down, but just somewhere where you could quickly write it down and silently write it down if necessary. So then you have this list of points to edit. Those points might be in your recording, baked in with your recording app or software, or it might be a list of edit points that you've written down what you need to edit and when approximately that point is. You don't have to be exact with it was at exactly this many seconds that I need to edit this thing out, but you can assume that most likely whatever it is you need to edit is a little bit before whatever that marker was. Another way you could do this, but this could be very distracting if you have co-hosts, but it can work if you're looking through your audio editing timeline, is to place a marker by either making a lot of noise or making no noise. Leave in maybe 20 seconds of silence, and that's really easy as you look at your audio track in your software to see, here's this 20 seconds of complete silence. I know there's something there that I need to edit. The other way you could place a marker without writing something down or without marking it in your software or hardware is make some loud noise, maybe some claps, like to know whenever that appears in the recording, you'll see a distinct pattern of these three sharp, thin little spikes in your recording software. So you'll know those are points where I need to go back and edit And that works regardless of what software or tools you're using. But it might not be very friendly to your co-hosts if you're sitting there and then suddenly (laughs) at them. Unless they know to expect that. That's the thing. If you're doing this with co-hosts and either you're marking something, you're writing something down, you're making a noise like that or leaving silence, make sure you communicate that to your co-hosts. I really recommend that you don't do it if you are interviewing a guest, someone who's not usually on the podcast with you because you don't want to waste their time. Make it smooth as possible for them, and you can edit things later if necessary. But there have been many instances before where my co-host knew that I was pressing a button or writing something down because something needed to be edited, and they got distracted from that because they thought, oh no, what I do, what does Daniel need to edit out now, or what did I say that he doesn't agree with, or something like that. But as I later communicated to them that there was something that I heard that needs to be edited, maybe it was an awkward pause, some background noise, maybe I bumped the mic or some crosstalk, whatever it was, now they're more comfortable with that because I've communicated that. So make sure you communicate that with your co-hosts, and even give them the freedom to do those same kinds of things. If they want to re-say something, give them that freedom to pause or to mark something or to ask you, hey, could you mark that spot or can I say that again? And then you can mark it for them. When you're then going back and editing these points, depending on how these points are made, you should probably edit from the end backwards to the beginning. If the edit points are baked into the audio recording, this might not be a problem, but if you're working off a list of timestamps that you know need to be edited, if you edit something in the beginning, it shifts all of the times and those times for edit points no longer match up to wherever you wrote it down. For example, let's say you removed a minute of audio from the beginning. You went on some rant that doesn't need to be in the podcast or something happened and you had to wait for Skype to reconnect or whatever. You remove a minute of audio from the beginning. That means all of your other edit points that you've written down after that first point are now 
shifted by one minute. And then that compounds itself as you make more and more edits. So that's why it's best to go from the end of the episode to the beginning, editing that way, so that you're not shifting timestamps for any of your other edits. Yes, ultimately, your timestamps will no longer match up with your written paper when you're finished editing, but then you're finished editing, so you don't need them to line up anymore. So this is number nine, mark edit points. This has radically improved my podcast editing and also gives me the freedom to correct something as I have actually done a few times in this episode, but you may not notice it if you're listening to the recorded version because I marked those moments and those are moments that I know need to be edited because I stumbled over something or I wanted to say something differently, anything like that. And that leads nicely into tip number nine, Give margin for easy editing. If you make a mistake big enough that you decide you want to edit it, then make it easy for yourself by pausing and restating what you meant to say. For example, if I wanted to say, I bought a podcasting microphone, but it actually came out this way. I bought a podcasting microwave, I mean microphone, the other day. That's very hard to edit, to go in there and remove microwave, I mean and then put in microphone, and it won't really sound that good either. It might sound like I bought a podcasting microphone the other day because I've corrected myself in that odd way, and I didn't give myself enough margin. Instead, an easy way to do this, and it makes it much easier for you when you edit, might be if you make a mistake like this. I bought a podcasting microwave. I mean, let me say that again. I bought a I messed up again. Okay, let me try this again. I bought a podcasting microphone the other day, and then I can continue on. So you see what that's done is I no longer have to get into the fine details and squeeze in my editing or remove one little word or something like that. I just cut the whole sentence and I start over again from that sentence or from wherever the point was when I last had a significant pause to make it very easy and clean to edit at that point. And if you do need to restate something, try to say it as smoothly as you were saying it the first time, instead of trying to squeeze it in and quickly get it out there. Like I gave the example that first time when I said, I bought a podcasting microwave, I mean microphone, the other day. And that's the way I hear many people make a mistake. Or sometimes even if they do repeat themselves, it might sound like this. I bought a podcasting microwave. I mean, I bought a podcasting microphone. And it sounds like a correction. Try to not let it happen like that, but instead restate it as if it's a regular part of the conversation if you want to edit that out. Now, it could be really funny for you to leave that in, and that's where it's up to you to decide what is distracting enough for you to edit out or to leave in. In my Clean Comedy podcast, for example, there are certain mistakes that I make or one of us makes while we're talking, that we have some fun with. And it turns into even more comedy. And it sometimes happens with our Once Upon a Time podcast as well. But then there are other mistakes that distract from the point of the conversation, or that could be quite embarrassing, because maybe I realized, or one of us realized that, ooh, the way that came out does not sound clean, or that doesn't communicate it right or anything like that, or that's horrible grammar, or I got my facts completely wrong on that. 
So give yourself that margin to make the editing much easier. A simple way to do that is if you make a mistake and you know you need to edit it, just pause, regather your thoughts, and then say it again. Take it from the top. Well, not completely the top, but the top of that particular thought. That's number nine. Give margin for easy editing. That margin makes it much easier then to cut out that whole messed up part instead of trying to piece together a fragmented sentence. Number 10, watch the transitions. The most likely edit points in podcasts I've found are transitions. So tip, get better at transitioning. This is especially true when you have a co-host or an interview style episode. If you're recording in multiple tracks, then this will be really easy for you to see when one person stopped talking and they pass the conversation on to the other person or the other person interrupted or anything like that. These are prime areas for mistakes, awkward silences, crosstalk, pointless babble as someone is trying to fill time while they come up with the answer. So these are great moments to edit, especially with interviews. You'll see this often if you interview someone or maybe if you listen to an unedited interview, someone will ask a question and right there, that could be a transition that needs to be edited because maybe they ask the question, they get really verbose and then they re-ask the question. So maybe you need to simply edit it down to asking that question in the simple way. That's one way to approach it. But also on the other side of the transition, the guest may start out with awkward silence as they think or they may start out with um yeah um yeah or they could do some other kind of filler stuff that sounds really nice but it's really filler and they're buying time while they think of an answer or they focus or anything like that it could be something like that's a great question i really love this question or basically answering without answering before they get to the answer it might be something like yeah this is a really good question then uh yeah no it's really one of those things that you really have to think about and the answer to this is very important and that answer is yes so they're wasting all of this time getting to the answer that's a great moment when you could look for editing so wherever those transitions are from one person to another there's most likely something that could be edited there. Even if it's simply silence, those are probably your edit points to pay the most attention to. And don't look at only the beginnings of the transitions. Look at the ends of the transitions too. Watch for the crosstalk. I would estimate that 75% or more of your presentation-improving edits will be in those transitions. If you host a show by yourself, then still consider your transitions. It might be a little bit harder to find unless you mark where you transition from topic to topic or point to point or one segment to the next. Look for those transitions. Transitions are big places where we can often mess up, where there can be awkward dialogue. I hate asking the question in my podcast with my co-hosts, do you have anything else to say on this before we move on? I do say that sometimes, but I always have that edited out because it's unnecessary to have in the podcast. And often the answer, unless they do truly have something to say, sometimes they make up something to say and it's pointless to leave it in there because they're reiterating something they already said or they're just wasting time. 
So watch those transitions either with yourself or the transitions between you and whatever else is going on in your podcast. That's number 10, watch the transitions. Again, these 13 tips are available in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster editing. Number 11, use and customize keyboard shortcuts. Nearly every app has some kind of keyboard shortcuts. These could be some kind of universal key combination like Control-V or Command-V is what practically everything uses for pasting. And you're also probably familiar with Control or Command-C, Control or Command-X, some of that. But there could also be certain keyboard shortcuts that are combined with your mouse, like holding down Shift as you click or as you scroll or as you hover over something, different stuff like that. Often these shortcuts are designed with some kind of logical nature behind them. For example, Apple and Adobe apps generally use, this might blow your mind, but they generally use Shift to constrain or select a range an alt or option to change the behavior of the action. Yeah, that's that's a big hack there that you can use in most of the Apple and Adobe apps and many other apps follow a similar pattern. For example, on Apple apps, if you hold down option or alt on your Mac keyboard, when you're looking at a menu, often the options in the menu are different than they were before. Maybe instead of save, it's save as or save as a copy, or copy, or something like that. But you could get different options based on holding down a button. Adobe uses this. I know some other apps out there use this kind of logic as well. So learn certain things like that. But in general, a good command of all of these keyboard shortcuts will really help you save time in your editing because it means you don't have to move your hands around as much. You don't have to search for that thing that you need. You could know that a certain keyboard command does that particular tool. In fact, some tools seem to be only accessible via keyboard commands. So learn what those are, and you might want to customize them in a way that's more accessible to you or in a way that makes more sense for you. Sometimes those keyboard commands are those universal ones like Command-V that doesn't really make sense to us because it's based on a different language, really. Or it might be something that's related to the word of the command, like Command-S or Control-S for save. That's something pretty universal, S for save. And there could be other things like that in your apps, but you can usually customize your keyboard shortcuts as well. So maybe you make a keyboard shortcut for that favorite effect that you like to run in your processing software or whatever tool that you're using. This will really help you speed up your editing. Number 11, use and customize keyboard shortcuts. Number 12, play at faster speeds. This can get crazy. But many editing apps do allow you to play back the audio or video at faster speeds. What makes this crazy is that unfortunately, this usually results in a higher pitched chipmunk voice that might have you rolling on the floor laughing out loud, literally. But it can be a way for you to quickly find those areas that you need to edit. That is, if you're listening to an entire episode, this is a straight speed increase. So everything will be faster and it's not reducing silences or anything like that, a a smart silence removal tool or anything like that. But this is 
simply playing it faster. And this can help you maybe find things more quickly. Like if you're looking for profanity to bleep out, you could listen really quickly and make sure that you got all of it. Or if you're looking for those edits, and I don't recommend that you look for things to edit out, but this is one way that you could do that that does make it a bit faster. Audacity does have a playback speed feature where you can change the playback speed and then press a different play button and it will play back at whatever that speed is that you set. That could be 1.2x, 1.5x, 3x, 2x, half speed, anything like that. Adobe Audition doesn't have this kind of thing built in, but what you can do with Adobe Audition is that while your audio is playing, you can then hold down your mouse on the forward button during that playback, and then it starts fast forwarding through it, basically. And that is a way that you can then play it faster and look for those moments that you need to edit. It's not quite as smooth as something like Audacity, and it certainly doesn't sound as good as using a podcast app that plays things faster in an intelligent way. There's no podcast app out there that plays things at faster speeds and raises the pitch so that you sound like a chipmunk. All of them do it by increasing the tempo, but not increasing the pitch. Editing software needs to catch up to this, and I think will at some point to allow you to listen at faster speeds without increasing or raising the pitch. I don't recommend that you process your audio so that you can listen to it at a faster speed and edit it because then when you reprocess it back to normal speed, you're losing some information. It's like shrinking a photo and then blowing that photo back up again. You're losing something in the process. That's number 12, play at faster speeds. And number 13, truncate silence. If you can stop the habit of using verbal crutches to fill dead air or just stumbling over things or whatever it is when you're trying to come up with a thought instead of um, 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 doing something like that where you're filling the time and learn how to stop doing those things, you may end up with some awkward silences. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes though, a tool like a truncate silence tool which is included in most audio editing apps, the good ones anyway, including Audacity, can easily reduce these awkward silences. I don't recommend that you try to completely remove the silences because silences are important in communication. Especially if someone is talking a lot, people need to breathe. And if you remove that, it sounds very unhuman. It's also possible that by removing the silences in between words in slow sentences, that it can make you sound robotic or like the telephone call where, you know, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. And it just sounds really bad because of the way that you spoke your sentence, although you were slow. If you reduce those silences or remove them completely, It will sound very weird, but if you leave in some of those silences, but maybe simply reduce them a little bit, then it won't sound as bad. But again, improve your presentation first before you look at using a tool like Truncate Silence. I do recommend that you only reduce the duration of the silences, not completely remove them. Most of the Truncate Silence tools allow you to specify some kind of ratio that you'll be condensing the silence. For example, something like a three-to-one ratio would condense a two-second silence to about two-thirds of a second. Thus, the silence is still there, 
but it's shorter. So maybe it's less awkward or it's not awkward anymore because the silence is there, but it still sounds human because the silence is there. So these 13 tips for faster podcast editing are number one, plan more. Number two, improve your presentation. Number three, change your approach. Number four, create templates. Number five, use the right tools. Number six, learn how to use your tools effectively. Number seven, upgrade to better tools. Number eight, mark edit points. Number nine, give margin for easy editing. Number 10, watch the transitions. Number 11, use and customize keyboard shortcuts. Number 12, play at faster speeds. And number 13, truncate silence. I'd love to continue this conversation with you and find out from you what are some of the things that help you speed up your podcast editing tools or tricks or techniques or shortcuts that you use. So please comment on the show notes for this episode, number 243 at the slash faster editing. That's also where you can go share your experience with some of these things or your reactions to some of these things. I know in the chat room when I'm doing this live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live, Jason Bryant was shouting, yes, 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 on edit points earlier. Maybe you want to get into the comments and simply say, yes, this has so helped me. Or you try one of these things and you discover, whoa, this has really helped me save a lot of time or completely changed my perspective on editing. I'd love to hear your feedback. So please comment on the show notes and share this episode out to your friends and followers by going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash faster editing. I'm really looking forward to the upcoming improvements to Podcaster Society. A lot of awesome stuff coming out. The price will be going up when that stuff is released and some other things will be changing around. But Podcaster Society has a lot of great value inside of it. And I'll be digging into these editing improvement ideas and tools with video tutorials and a lot of other great stuff exclusive to members of Podcaster Society. So if you want to join the waiting list to find out when registration opens up again, go to podcasterssociety.com to sign up there. If you want to find out what people think about your podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps that support reviews, then go to mypodcastreviews.com. It's the best way to get all of your international podcast reviews sent to you automatically. You can copy and paste, you can thank the people by name, and much more. That's at mypodcastreviews.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity Podcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.